Section 66 of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Matthew by J. C. Ryle. Chapter 21, verses 12 to 22. Christ casting the buyers and sellers out of the temple, the barren fig tree. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 to 22. And Jesus went into the temple of God, and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money-changers, and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it into a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple, and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased, and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left them, and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered, and when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it, and found nothing thereon but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward for ever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith, and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also, if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. We have in these verses an account of two remarkable events in our Lord's history. In both, there was something eminently figurative and typical. Each was an emblem of spiritual things. Beneath the surface of each lie lessons of solemn instruction. The first event that demands our attention is our Lord's visit to the temple. He found his father's house in a state which too truly shadowed forth the great condition of the whole Jewish church, everything out of order and out of course. He found the courts of that holy building disgracefully profaned by worldly transactions. Trading and buying and selling were actually going on within its walls. There stood dealers ready to supply the Jew who came in from distant countries with any sacrifice he wanted. There sat the money-changer, ready to change his foreign money for the current coin of the land. Bullocks, and sheep, and goats, and pigeons, were there exposed for sale, as if the place had been a market. The jingling of money might there be heard, as if these holy courts had been a bank or an exchange. Such were the scenes that met our Lord's eyes. He saw it all with holy indignation. He cast out all of them that sold and bought. He overthrew the tables of the money-changers. Resistance there was none, for men knew that he was right. Objection there was none, for all felt that he was only reforming a notorious abuse, 
which had been basely permitted for the sake of gain. Well might he sound in the ears of the astonished traders as they fled from the temple, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Let us see in our Lord's conduct on this occasion a striking type of what he will do when he comes again the second time. He will purify his visible church as he purified the temple. He will cleanse it from everything that defiles and works iniquity, and cast every worldly professor out of its pale. He will allow no worshipper of money or lover of gain to have a place in that glorious temple which he will finally exhibit before the world. May we all strive to live in the daily expectation of that coming. May we judge ourselves that we be not condemned and cast out in that searching, sifting day. We should often study those words of Malachi, Who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. Malachi chapter 3, verse 2 the second event that demands our attention in these verses is our Lord's curse upon the fruitless fig tree. We are told that being hungry, he came to a fig tree in the way, and found nothing thereon but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward for ever. And presently the fig tree withered away. This is an incident almost without parallel in all our Lord's ministry. It is almost the only occasion on which we find him making one of his creatures suffer in order to teach a spiritual truth. There was a heart-searching lesson in that withered fig tree. It preaches a sermon we shall all do well to hear. That fig tree, full of leaves but barren of fruit, was a striking emblem of the Jewish church when our Lord was upon earth. The Jewish church had everything to make an outward show, it had the temple, the priesthood, the daily service, the yearly feasts, the Old Testament scriptures, the courses of the Levites, the morning and evening sacrifice. But beneath these goodly leaves, the Jewish church was utterly destitute of fruit. It had no grace, no faith, no love, no humility, no spirituality, no real holiness, no willingness to receive its Messiah. John chapter 1, verse 11. And hence, like the fig tree, the Jewish church was soon to wither away. It was to be stripped of all its outward ornaments, and its members scattered over the face of the earth. Jerusalem was to be destroyed. The temple was to be burned. The daily sacrifice was to be taken away. The tree was to wither away to the very ground. And so it came to pass, Never was there a type so literally fulfilled. In every wandering Jew we see a branch of the fig tree that was crushed. But we may not stop here. We may find even more instruction in the event we are now considering. These things were written for our sakes, as well as for the Jews. Is not every fruitless branch of Christ's visible church in an awful danger of becoming a withered fig tree? Beyond doubt it is. High ecclesiastical profession, without holiness among a people, overweening confidence in councils, bishops, liturgies, and ceremonies, while repentance and faith have been neglected, 
have ruined many a visible church in time past, and may yet ruin many more. Where are the once famous churches of Ephesus and Sardis and Carthage and Hippo? They are all gone. They had leaves, but no fruit. Our Lord's curse came upon them. They became withered fig trees. The decree went forth, Hew them down. Daniel chapter 4, verse 23. Let us remember this. Let us beware of church pride. Let us not be high-minded, but fear. Romans chapter 2, verse 20. Finally, is not every fruitless professor of Christianity in awful danger of becoming a withered fig tree? There can be no doubt of it. So long as a man is content with the leaves of religion, with a name to live while he is dead, and a form of godliness without the power, so long his soul is in great peril. So long as he is satisfied with going to church or chapel, and receiving the Lord's Supper, and being called a Christian, while his heart is not changed, and his sin not forsaken, so long he is daily provoking God to cut him off without a remedy. Fruit. Fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is the only sure proof that we are savingly united to Christ and in the way to heaven. May this sink down into our hearts and never be forgotten. End of section 66